Hey guys, it's great to see you this morning. Uh, it is a special morning for all the reasons that Haley just said. In addition to that, it's also special because um, David, Olivia, and Jono are sitting right over there. And we are in the same room. This is not pre-recorded. They're not recording it from, um, from their apartment. They're recording it here with me. There's a few other people here that are counting, and we're all doing this together. Uh, it's like one baby step towards back to uh, how we want to do church. So it's really exciting for us to be here this morning. So some things are going to be different. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach for hopefully less than 10 minutes. I know that seems like, uh, like a miracle if that were to happen, but I'm going to try. Uh, and then after that, we're going to walk into basically uh, just a bunch of videos that our missionaries sent in to us, and we're going to watch those videos together and hear from them, get updates from them, because I want you guys to see uh, what it is that we're giving to and who we're giving to. We're going to see their faces. We're going to hear their voices, hear their hearts, uh, see the areas where they're ministering to. So it's going to be really exciting and it will be a little bit more fast paced. Um, so your kids at home aren't going to have to sit and listen to, uh, to long sermon Sam all morning. We're going to have some fun. So uh, with that said, I'm just going to dive right in. We're going to be in Luke 18. I'm going to read a story and then we're going to move right into it from there. Luke 18, starting in verse 18. And a ruler asked him, him being Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. Can you imagine that? He said, all these things I have done. Check. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. So what we're seeing here in this story, we meet a man, this rich young ruler, uh, who wants everything that God can give. And when I say he wants everything that God can give, what does he ask for? He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Not a small ask, right? That's a big ask. He's asking for eternal life. And so what Jesus does then, if we're reading carefully, is Jesus then returns the question and asks him for all he has. Um, he says, you still lack one thing. Sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You see, Jesus wasn't interested in just um, a little bit of this guy's life or a little bit of this guy's commitment or a little bit of this guy's trust. He wanted it all. And so sometimes I think for us as Christians, we think, well, grace is a free gift, right? Salvation uh, through Jesus is a free gift. And that is very true. But we have to understand a couple of things. 
Number one, we have to understand that everything belongs to him. Psalm 24 verse 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Like everything in the world also belongs to God. The world and those who dwell therein. So everything and everyone that exists belongs to God. Why is that important? We'll get there. What Jesus is asking of him is much, actually much, much more than just everything he owns. He's actually asking him for every bit of his trust. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9, says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses, and is saved. So there we have it, right? The salvation through Jesus is a free gift. But in verse 9, he says something interesting. He says, but it, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that term Lord is extremely important. And so one of the main issues for the early believers in the Roman Empire was that um, that's that, that for uh, people in the Roman Empire, they were required to, to refer to Caesar as Lord. That meant that Caesar was the utmost authority. Everything in the empire belonged to Caesar. So one of the main sticking points for Christians in the Roman Empire was that they refused to refer to Caesar as Lord. Why? Because only Jesus was Lord. And so the implications of calling someone Lord meant that you and everything that you owned belonged to them. Everything that you owned belonged to them. A king didn't come into a room and say, hey, um, I would like to ask your permission for this, this, or this. It belonged to him, and he took it, right? He inscripted your sons into the army. He taxed you the, the number he wanted to tax you. He was the Lord. And so when we are confessing that Jesus is our Lord, we understand and we recognize that everything that we have, including ourselves, belongs to him. Now, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about anything else. Why do you think that is? If we're really honest with ourselves, we can understand why. Because money has, money has a peculiar, peculiar way of wrapping itself around our hearts. And it's not just money. Money um, represents power. Money represents status. Money represents control. Uh, when I say control, I mean we, if we have, the more money we have, the more control we have over our own lives. At least we think so, right? And so Jesus is pushing back on this idea that we're in control of our own lives, that the things that we have around us belong to us, that we have a status below or above other people. He's attacking all those ideas by simply talking about money. And he does it often. So if we're going to, like if we're going to ask that question of ourselves, if we're going to insert ourselves into this story in Luke 18, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we like the rich young ruler or not? And why wouldn't we be? Right? This is, this is the point at which we have to like look inward. We have to look inside of ourselves and ask the question, like, am I willing to trust God with everything that I am and everything that I have? That's the question that's being asked. And if we say yes, then that's, and th that's, a, that's trust and that's faith. And if we say no, then we're saying, I trust Jesus this much, but not this much. There's a level of trust, right? And if we're honest, everyone 
watching this, all of us have a level of trust. None of our faith, like our faith is not perfect. That's why we need Jesus. So this isn't an opportunity for you to prove to God that you have good enough faith. It's an opportunity for us to look inwards and confess our lack of faith and ask him to give us more of his. Right? I don't want you to get the wrong message here that um, you giving more money today somehow proves yourself to God or proves your faith to God. Very much the opposite. We are coming together today to confess the fact that we have not trusted him in the ways that we should. And we celebrate the fact that even when our faith is imperfect, his is perfect. And so in celebrating that uh, and realizing that, once again, we are able to give freely, celebrating what he has done for us. What we could not do, what we still cannot do, but what he has done for us and continually does for us. Matthew chapter 6 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, it's an idea of security. That's the issue here, right? When we think we have a big retirement account, a big savings account, the more security we have. But, but uh, Jesus is quite simply saying in, in Matthew, um, lay up yourself treasures in heaven, where those treasures cannot be threatened. Uh, man, when we're living in a crashing economy, we understand. Anybody look at your retirement account lately and see what's happening? It's not the greatest, uh, but even that money is not safe. The only security that we have that is safe is our security in Jesus. And giving away money is quite simply a way of demonstrating that. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now those, like that's Jesus throwing down the gauntlet, right? You can't serve God and money. You got to pick. That's a, that's a tough choice for us sometimes. It's an easy choice for us to like, pay lip service to, but it's a really difficult trust, uh, choice for us to actually make by giving that money away, by saying, my trust is here, I don't need this, right? Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. That's an easy task, isn't it? No. <laughs> do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things 
will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Man, that's a powerful verse. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Luke chapter 12, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So the issue here is, if I can pause, are we sowing riches towards ourselves or are we sowing riches towards the kingdom? Because they're quite often not the same thing. Verse 7, each one must give as he, decided, as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You hear that? How do we abound in every good work? Through the grace of Jesus, not by our own strength, through the grace of Jesus. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplied seed to the sower, that's us, we're the sower, right? And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. See, we're not here to make much of ourselves. We're here to make much of God as we give. We prayed before we started here that God would get all the glory, that we would celebrate what he is doing in and through us, not what we are doing. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, right? But also overflowing in many thanks to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Many of you know the name Rick Warren. He's a pastor in Southern California. He had a quote one time, uh, and that quote has stuck with me for years. He said, if you don't trust God with your money, you don't trust him. And when I heard it, I kind of recoiled a little bit and like, man, that's a strong statement. And, but the more I thought about st- that statement over the years, the more true it has become of my own heart. If we don't trust God with our money, we don't trust him. That's what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. And that's why he said it's more difficult to, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The more money we have, the more it wraps itself around us. And we just quite simply need to recognize that fact. And we quite simply need to combat that through generosity. The other thing that we know uh, from looking around us is that, that, that growth is born out of sacrifice. If I want to be able to lift more weight, what do I do? I lift weights. If I want to be able to run faster, what do I do? I practice running. I sacrifice in order 
to grow in that thing which I want. If, think about financial investments. We give money, we sacrifice um, uh, pleasure or security or whatever it is that we're sacrificing in order to give that money to invest so that it will grow so that we can benefit from it later. All growth is born out of sacrifice. All growth is born out of sacrifice. I want my faith to grow. I want the grace of Jesus to be more evident in my life than it is today. So I'm willing to make sacrifices, or I have to ask myself the question, am I willing to make sacrifices in order for that to happen, in order for the world around me to see Jesus more clearly? We've been reading through the Bible over the last, uh, man, six, seven months now, and one of the things that we've talked about repeatedly is that we don't read just to read, right? We hear the word of God through reading, and we love Jesus and we obey him. It's not enough just to hear. It's not enough just to hear and then say we love. If we're hearing his words, if we are loving him, obedience follows. Obedience follows. And so the obedience that we're seeking to walk in today is that of generosity. A couple more passages of scripture. Matthew chapter 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, right? Hears, loves, and obeys. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Later, the book of James kind of says the same thing in James chapter 1. He says, uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James says, if we only hear and don't do, we're deceiving ourselves and we don't actually believe what we just heard. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then we're going to close with this one. Philippians chapter 4. Even in Thessalonica, Paul's writing this letter to the people of Philippi, the church in Philippi. And it says, even in Thessalonica, another city, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Whose credit? The giver's credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering. Listen to this. Okay, I want us to hear this. The gifts that they sent to Paul the missionary. Okay, I want you to think about that, the present day application of what we're doing today. The gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now we're going to close with this. Again, why is it a fragrant offering and a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God? Because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has made the way. Jesus continues to make the way so that we might simply walk in it. He has done it. We are following him. We are walking on the road that he has paved in the strength that he gives So what we're doing today is a celebration of the work of Christ in and through us continually. 
I want us to celebrate that together. As you see the numbers come up on the screen, as you give, I want us to celebrate the work of Jesus because that's what this is. This is not a religious act. This is not us being good Christians. This is us celebrating the work of Jesus through generosity. So as we watch these videos right now, we're going to watch one after the other and we're going to talk about them. I just want you to think about this. We're celebrating the work of Jesus in ourselves and in others as well. Amen? I think we're going to watch the first video right now and then we'll come back.